We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please help! Yeah. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Is For Podcast. My name is Sarge, and joining me tonight are my cohorts and crimes. My brothers from a different mother is my besties from different testies. It's the man that can grow a beard, give it up for danger. I mean, I would hope that you can too, because you are also an adult male. And then we have the beardless one himself. Well, it's red, but, you know, we're just going to, we're not going to comment on his red facial hair. It's Monster. Say hello, Monster. It's dirty blonde, and it's fairly, fairly full. I mean, you know. Your new name may be Patches. <laughs> I've been called worse. <laughs> Joining us for first, first ever on the Is For Podcast, is we have a fourth host. Let's it's... give tonight. Let's let's give it up for my better half, the one who I try to keep happy because I don't enjoy sleeping on the couch. It is Miss Sarge, otherwise known as Liz. Say hello, Liz. Good evening. So he tries to keep you happy. Out of selfish desires to not sleep on the couch. You heard that too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Mrs. Sarge, welcome. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I was Mrs. Ready to say, there's Mrs. no cool Sarge. nickname. Yeah. Mrs. If, Sarge? If it was one of the kids, would it be a Sargette? Tiny Sarge. Well, he Sarge also li- called me a host. I'm a hostess. Oh my gosh. I mean, you know, the testing thing did not apply. Beard it, did not apply. I mean, if beard, no. beard applied, there'd be problems. We would have to discuss he, grooming. Well, he did call you a host and not just a hoe. You know. True. Yeah. Saved it. Yeah. You can come to yeah. bed tonight. <laughs> so tonight on the Is for Project, we're, we're going to talk about dangerous, dumb, but awesome things the United States military and every military has done. I have a bunch of them, but I've narrowed it down like my top five. And one of these is going to be a tinfoil hat type thing that I'm pretty sure Monster is going to appreciate. So, Fantastic. Uh, so we're going to start off with one of the dumbest one, but totally genius ideas known as Project Pigeon. Anyone familiar with Project Pigeon? I'm not, but I do think that we are one of the only uh, podcasts that is actually labeled with the uh, the proper moniker for talking about a military subject, considering we have a guy named Sarge. <laughs> but go on. No, I do not know Project Pigeon. Uh, does it poop on my shoulder when I walk down the street? Worse. So back in the height of World War II, we were trying to be the first country to have self-guided missiles. Now, we're going to hear every single psychologist sigh and roll her eyes at the mention of the name Burris Frederick Skinner. Well, that means that the psychologists are listening, and I'm happy. <laughs> professor Skinner was a prof- uh, the professor of psychology at Harvard University, and he was one of the ones who came up with the idea of positive reinforcement. So the stuff we do to our dogs for rewarding them for fetching the ball, not peeing in the house, stuff like that, all that came from him. And how he did this is he was training pigeons to poke at a circle on a piece of paper, not a square, not a rectangle, but a circle. And every time they poked the circle, they got a treat. So they learned to identify poking the circle and getting a treat. Pavlov's dog, right? Yep, right. So what he did during the height of the war, he goes, you know what, we're going to do something great. So he went to the National Defense Research Committee and pitched them, pitched them the idea of training pigeons to guide bombs. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. How do you do that? I'm so glad you asked. The defense. I was department, just going to let him keep going with the description of what it was. And <laughs> the the defense department was like, you know what? We're not that interested, but we're still going to give you it was like twenty five thousand dollars of a research budget back in you know the 1940s, 30s, and 40s. So that equates out to be like two hundred fifty, three hundred thousand dollars in now time to train pigeons to attack ships. So he went back, and him and his bunch of his bunch of his students took silhouettes and pictures of uh, enemy ships, buildings, and stuff like that. And instead of using squares, they took a whole new batch of pigeons and taught them to only peck at those. And then they put a transistor on their nose, and when they touched the screen, the mesh screen on the picture of the item that would pop up in the viewport, it would send a signal to guide the missile that direction. Mm, okay. After after a year of research, they had a 75% success rate. It's 25% mm. fail. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, Liz is bringing the math, like... which is not something we normally do well. Do, do <laughs> with the government, so. yeah, but I mean, when you're considering rats with wings that poop more than most creatures, 75% success rate is, I mean, it's admirable. It is. And here's the yep. messed up part. They oh, now we're getting to the messed up part, yeah. not the I thought, I thought they got it guiding the missiles. Is... That wasn't the messed up part. Yeah. They got it to a hundred percent success. What Sorry. they did. So we're a hundred percent messed up now. We're a hundred percent success rate with pigeons, right? Flying missiles. Okay. So they All would right. take this pigeon and they would put it inside the missile compartment with the viewport. Ah. So it would ride with the missile to destination and die. Well, yes, they're pigeons. Whoa, 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 whoa! So basically, we created. Pigeon suicide bombers? Yes, we did. Not only did we do pigeon suicide bombers, but we also did... Bless America. <laughs> but we also did the first pigeon democracy. See, the issue was, is one pigeon would get confused with shadows. So what they did is to get around this, to get a 100% success rate, is they put three pigeons in, and they used the majority rules. If two pigeons pecked left, it went left. I'm not kidding. Because well, look, you don't want no commie pigeons running these, okay? You need a dem democratic pigeon legislature to control these bombs. It makes sense to me. Because, like, okay, so we're at 75%, and uh -huh. we, need to, we need to get it better. And it's already messed up, so we're going to get to 100% messed upness, and we're going to just add pigeons. I mean, yeah. we had already been been uh, experimenting on rats in uh, in labs, and they're just winged rats. So, eh, why not? Let's roll with it or bomb it. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever it was. Yeah. So after after a couple years, the project was scrapped because they decided to go with the Manhattan Project, which is the nuclear program, the nuclear weapons program. Because less pigeons. It was less pigeons. I, I'm assuming less, less humans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. But in 1940, 1941, the Navy actually picked up Project Project Pigeon and named it uh, another program to try to train, I'm going to say this, dolphins to uh, disarm at sea anti-ship mines. Is this real life? This is, this is real life. Okay, so <laughs> I have to, I want to go back to ask, is the, uh, the whole, like, Pigeon deal is that where we got the term uh, "kill two birds with one stone"? I have um, no idea. And okay, so now we've moved on to uh, porpoises, and 
Uh, Porpoises with purpose. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yes. So suiciding, was... suiciding into anti-ship mines. I, I missed the name of it. If you said it, it was a Project Blowhole. I or... could not find I could not find the actual legit name for it, but I do know that one year after trying this project, uh, it was permanently scrapped in 1944, never to be touched again. Quick word of advice: Do not Google Project Blowhole. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that'll get you on at least three lists. Um, it can't and, be and worse record, than what I've Googled for research for this damn podcast. I know, right? Okay, I, so I keep I clearing my browser history. As someone who is a big fan of, uh, you know, nonsense, these are terrible names. You don't call a project involving pigeons Project Pigeon. Like, you call it something, you know, Project Ratbird, Project Missilebird, like something cooler than that. Uh, I didn't name the project. Look, this was like the 1930s, okay? I did not name these. Okay, so hear me out. Project Thunder Falcon. <laughs> no. Yes. No. If I ever yes. start like a southern rock, like groove blues band, that might be the name right there. There you go. See, I just gave you band names on this. Uh, before it was uh, Ravioli Revolver, and now it's yes. Project Thunderbird. <laughs> I th- Thunder take Falcon. out the project. Yeah, just Thunder Falcon. I think that's the name right there. Just Thunder Falcon. Having. Oh. I think Having... Thunder Falcon's something else that I've picked up along the way. Anyway, go on, search. Probably still shouldn't Google it. Continue. So the next kind of awesome but also stupidly dumb thing that uh, on the list here is known as the XF-85 Goblin. And if you don't know what that is, please, please, please Google that. Actually, I've already forgot what you said. It yeah. is the XF-85 Goblin. And Liz and I actually have seen it. And didn't realize what it was. It's at the U.S. Air Force uh, Aviation Museum in Dayton, Ohio. The last remaining uh, goblin is. Now, was that next to the Wright brothers? Because you guys can't let go of the Wright brothers had a first in flight in North Carolina. And you're bitter? No, we just are based in fact. Hmm. See, and if I was you waiting. look at our license plate, I say first and freedom because we can't bear the thought of being liars going down the highway. It says first uh, in flight. Yeah. So, See, okay, I'm looking at this picture right here. And if if modern aircraft are your four main fingers, like your jets and your Boeings and stuff like that, then this thing is the thumb. This thing like is a the pinky stubby, toe. Like a stubby Megan Fox thumb. Like this is very weird. That is oddly specific is, thumbnail. Is it is it like a big toe in the Google place of that. your thumb? <laughs> so the McConnell XF eighty five Goblin was an American prototype uh, prototype fighter uh, conceived during World War II by the McConnell Aircraft. It was intended to deploy from a bomber bay. I gotta look it up. Of a giant Convoy B thirty six bomber as a parasite fighter. So parasite fighters were anything like a, a glider that was towed behind or rode with or on, in or under another aircraft and then was released. Oh, I've well, seen this. Well, the fact that it looks like the Volkswagen Beetle of aircrafts, <laughs> it makes sense that it would it, be like attached to. All right. All right. I, I have not Googled it. 
It's um, 3,700 pounds. That's a big beast. Yeah, well, so are half the people at Golden Corral. That is not an airship. That is a slightly overweight car. Like, that's not a weapon. No, I'm not so, cool with this. One seat. It is it is it is a one seat. That's one too many. One seat, but it had it had a full what armament. A pigeon in it. <laughs> it had a it could hold at least three pigeons. <laughs> it had a full armament of uh, and screw it, a dolphin too. Why not? Uh, it actually was equipped with a basic fighter loadout of a couple underwing missiles. And at the time, the most advanced rifling rounds. It does look like it has a blowhole. It is. It never saw actual combat. It saw test runs. It was only flown. I'm going to use that word loosely. It was flown about a, about 30 or 40 times and it has ever successfully docked once. If this plane was a dog, it would be a like deformed pug. It. It is. Its wings and it has a lot of them are wider than the thing is long. Yeah. So the issue they were having is the landing of this goblin was it was supposed to come up underneath of its of its host plane and dock on two two arms that hook up like a cradle. This is All a right. very short and girthy plane <laughs> that serves no purpose other than to leech off of real planes. I hate exactly. it. Please move on. This is the state. It is thing. called the parasite. It which is, is it interesting. Is a... I did not know that. I, I didn't know it either. It has it's that a... big old like it it has that thing on its head, you know, like the fish that are on the bottom of the so sea that, floor. That like is the hook. That, like I, uh, the light. It's it, it's a hook. It's called that... a dongle, and it hangs <laughs> in front of the. Oh my gosh! Like so... if people get could gain weight in their forehead, it would be that plane. So <laughs> this, uh, so this. This aircraft thing sticking off its head actually stop hooks. saying aircraft. It's not. It's it's something with wings that it's an air problem. That's it's what it is. Fold up. This is weird. Yes, it does. It's fold. One of so, those things that you can like, up, throw Monster. with your hand. You did. You did say it was informal. It is super informal. All right. The last time it was ever flown, it was. Uh, I have his name written down. Uh, what is his name? Uh, Edwin Forsman Skosh was assigned to the project riding in the X-85 while it was stowed aboard a ED-29B bomber, and it flew for a 10-minute flying exercise at speeds of 250 miles an hour, and he couldn't get it to hook back up to the plane, so he had to ditch it in a lake bed. It is the only Ooh. successful landing. Look at it. It doesn't look like it should be doing anything. Does it have wheels? Ground no, or in the sky. It has zero no, wheels. It, zero it looks wheels. like it should be shot out of a six shooter in an old West movie. Okay. Of course it, it didn't land. It looks like it should be in the movie planes. So yeah, I understand yeah, what did, you mean. If they had a yeah. special needs it's... plane with like down syndrome, it would be this one. Oh my like, god. It having a, a conversation and this one like waddles up. Hey guys, it's hey, this ladies, goblin plane. Hey, hey, ladies and gentlemen, that is the monster's view on uh the airplane and down syndrome. So make sure you take all complaints up with monster and not danger and Sarge. Yeah. Google this goblin plane and tell me <laughs> it doesn't look like a special needs aircraft. So quickly before you move on. Mm -hmm. Oh, 
you know, this is interesting. This okay, two two thoughts. Your guess is taking over for forty five seconds. If a plane could have a fat, ugly friend, it would be this plane. Uh, why? So this is a podcast with a video. I guess that's so you all can see each other. But that was my first thought. It was just a thought. Like that's interesting. We've worked really hard to come in the same frame. All the while realizing this is a podcast. Oh no, we 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 pull we we pull video from this too. Oh, but I'm we're not pulling this. Yeah. <laughs> um, secondly, you should go to the National Museum. Um, that's in Dayton. For real, it is. You should go to Ohio for two things: Skyline Chili, first. Okay, okay. I was getting ready to shit on Ohio, but Skyline Chili. No, I. No, oh, that's good stuff. That Skyline is Chili is awesome. We're going there this weekend, and I'm going to eat, and it's going to be super. But hot the, spaghetti. Oh, the spaghetti is disgusting. Gag me. You need the coney, no mustard. Okay, okay. okay. Um, and extra no hot onion, sauce. And I, and you got to bring hot sauce home because we don't have anything like it down here. But this museum, it is better than the Smithsonian. Honestly, it. I had no idea how incredible it was until we moved down here. And then I took a trip with um, our son to DC and the Smithsonian sucks. It was awful. The thing in Rinky Dink, Ohio was absolutely incredible well and ohio i has to do something ohio has to do something to make up for cleveland okay so <laughs> i'm not even like cleveland's dumb cleveland like, does not rock i just you know watched their faces dumb? drop <laughs> do you know what's not dumb going to what? dink going to podbean.com slash dangerous sarge and getting a free month of podcasting services that's not dumb so you need to do that it's podbean.com slash Dangerous Sarge and get a free month. All right. Slash that was Sarge. good. It wasn't smooth in the least, but that was nice how you slipped it in there. It's, I tried to find a segue and I thank you guys for giving me that segue. He slips it in so smooth and under oh, she the knows. radar. Oh, I know. Big daddy. You don't even know it's there until it's there. It's fantastic. Okay, look, when you initially said that we we're going to talk about dumb U.S. military ideas and that the Liz D? was going to join us, I was going to ask if this was an episode about you. Sorry. I I um D for divorce. I'm surprised. Like he was like he's like, hey, you're gonna come on this, and then we're gonna talk about the military. And I'm like, I have absolutely nothing to add. But he told the kids that he was doing the D with mom, and he, and Austin heard the D literally dropped his utensils into his bowl last night, and he was like, what? And I didn't say. I said he didn't say the D. He said a D. <laughs> yeah well i mean he uh he did text us at one point when we were talking about preparing four episodes and he said i'm almost done with the d i was yep. like no yeah the d's almost ready and, then, and well. then, then i kept asking if they were ready for the d yeah he he brings his wife on with d i mean like he set himself up and we're talking about he was like i'm almost finished with dumb. the d and i was like that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. Give it about an hour to 90 minutes and you can do the D again. Do yeah, D. You might need a power bar and some Gatorade, but yeah. So power we're going to, we're going to switch from the United States. We're going to jump over, over into Europe. <laughs> Nothing funny for him. I'm like, just trying to keep the show moving. Cause if we don't, this is going to be way too long. So we're going to move over to Europe and we're going to talk about the back. Vespa 150 tap. The Vespa 150 tap. All right, so, please tell me because I'm I'm curious. I know what a Vespa is. Yeah, I do too. I'm guessing this right. is an Italian. 
Yeah. French. French. Okay. French. Is the Vespa French? Okay. Donger, you're getting Donger. All right. I just Let wanted me... to talk about my people. You but have a is... French name for Wiener, and you don't know what a Vespa is. <laughs> Look, it's <laughs> not Donger. <laughs> Uh, that's not what it looks like to me all right so let me set the stage while, while you google the vespa 150 tap this was another this was another invention done at the height of world war ii oh, said- i'm sorry world war one <laughs> okay okay this is the opposite of the goblin okay yes, it this is. is like this is okay uh, you know what i apologize all right, in all advance, Liz. the vespa it's like what a top- it's like a tiny set of balls and a giant <laughs> shaft. Like it is, this is awful. With backup. Like, <laughs> what are you going to do with this? Okay, so Anything is the Vespa what? 150 tap. 150 so, it is well, a liquor sickle <laughs> with a cannon attached. And you sit on it. I wouldn't sit on that. I would use a remote control <laughs> from several feet away. So let me set the stage on why these things are are in existence. In existence? In existence. They are still in existence. Oh, I gotta get me one of these. You could buy one for $43,700 from what I just found. That's not that bad. For Uh, a tricycle with a cannon hat, it's worth it. (laughs) If it's a liquor sickle with a cannon, you can uh, pay off your court fees and your lawyer for less than that. I have been interested in men in my whole life, as it turns out. I have never heard of a liquor sickle. Liquor sickle? Liquor? I barely know her. Go on, Sarge. Liquor sickle? Okay. Why did you say it that way? Liquor sickle? Are you saying L-I-C-K-E-R? Oh, God. No. Liquor like you drink. Liquor like what's in my cup. Like what we need to get through this show. I thought you were talking about like a wiener. <laughs> no. Oh my god. No. no. <laughs> it is the D. <laughs> <laughs> this is the after dark. What are we doing here? No. The after dark. Okay. It's so, what people with multiple DUIs drive. Yeah. When when Oh. <laughs> when oh, Nazi I, Germany. Oh invaded France. Sickle! Sit closer to the mic. (laughs) Okay. Bicycle. Alright, listen. Take it away from her. Please take it away from her. (laughs) When Nazi Germany first invaded France, they used the Blitzkrieg method, which was to attack a single point with 90% of their forces and push all the way to the French capital. And what happened is the United States gave them a bunch of uh, 75mm recoilless anti-tank rifles and ammunition. And they put them on a Vespa. No, they did not. So after after that war, we had the France was like, this will never, ever happen again. So what we're going to do is we have all of these rifles and all this ammunition, and we need to do something with it so we can go from point A to point B very quickly. Mm -hmm. And how they accomplished this is they took this recoilless anti-tank rifle, which they took this recoilless anti-tank rifle. They put it next to a Vespa and they said for $500, we can make this work because Vespas are manufactured in France and they had a plethora of Vespas. They had a plethora of these anti-tank rifles and they gave them to the paratroopers. So what they would do is the French paratroopers would jump out of airplanes with their Vespas behind enemy lines. I'm not making this up. Don't you crash to the ground if you have a motorcycle stuck to you? 
but you have a parachute. We, it's we, a very strong parachute. We airdrop tanks. If we can airdrop a tank, the French can at least oh, manage to airdrop a, a scooter. I mean, a scooter. We airdrop tanks. The French? Yes. You're talking about those cheese eating surrender monkeys? They were dropping Vespas? <sighs> yes. We airdrop tanks? Yes, we. the United yes. States military can airdrop tanks. Okay, so I just found one that's got like a trailer. Like, totally. Oh, I did too. I was waiting to show Steven. Look, it has a little like toaster attached to it. Uh, shot yep. in the dark. What's the budget for this show? Are we getting one of these? <laughs> I wish. So, look, I'm going to reach out to Vespa the... for a sponsorship and see if we can get one. <laughs> back in the 1950s, the cost to manufacture a Vespa was about $500. Wow. The okay. cost to manufacture a tank back in the 1950s was about $150,000. So the return on investment for training two paratroopers to pretty much suicide drive at a tank with a scooter with an anti-tank rifle was pretty good. I mean, uh, really, when you think about it. All right, Wait Monster's got his hands up. I got it. I got okay. it. Here's what you do. To cut down on casualties, what you do is you get three pigeons <laughs> to sit on the Vespa. Okay, three pigeons or one dolphin, whatever you would prefer. But that way you cut back on the human casualties. Okay, look, I don't know what the exchange rate is in France to a, a U.S. dollars, but three pigeons does not equal one dolphin. Just saying. No, that's like four or five. <laughs> yeah, well, at least so this... Two pigeons and a pelican. Oh, maybe a crane. An egret? So you're getting somewhere. <laughs> are you a birdologist whatever they're called an ornithologist yeah i mean i i peek out my windows with binoculars but that's for a different reason and at least that's why the cops get called all the time look i'm nowhere near in elementary school okay i had to move so let's let, let's let's jump north from europe and we know what country is north of okay europe. i'm glad you're going north because this is just going south yeah just... So we're going to go north of Europe, and we're going to talk about the Anatov A-40. Where's that? Anatov A-40. Yes. All right. Hold on. We need to, I need you to spell that. You didn't say where we were going. You said we north. We're going north. As soon as I start saying off these names, you're going to know. So the That's Anatov... Russia. Yes, it is. It's Russia. The Anatov A-40 Kry Kryla... Tonka, Russian for tank with wings. That's all you need to know at this point. A-N-T-O-N-O-V. He's not kidding. It's just a it's a tank with like wings. the Wright brothers playing on it. Was a Soviet attempt to allow a tank to glide into the battlefield after being towed aloft by another airplane to help support airborne troops could you imagine being like an infantryman there's hundreds of thousands of people running around shooting rifles ducking behind cover Coming stuff like explosions everywhere and then a tank just glides in blowing everything up that's i would be like as i'm saying there's no way that's a tank and then my arm would go 100 feet that way like yeah that's crazy. Okay. Okay. So you're telling me that within within this this topic, we have a plane that has no wheels and a successful landing is in a lake, and then we have a tank with wings. Yes. Do they detach? Yes. 
that would be not always willingly. Like a I'm gonna, I'm gonna go over the specs for this build for this tank, so you could picture this in your mind. One tank had a crew of two people. They had to keep the weight down, so they were like minimal tank, uh, minimal crew, minimal armament, minimal fuel. Whole, whole nut roll. Minimal. Sure, you got a four ton tank. We can only have one two hundred pound dude in there. I, I'm length... sorry, but the intimidation factor is enough. Yeah. <laughs> To, you know, be 40 guys in there. So the one tank combined length with all of its uh, wings attachments. So the, the length from nose to tail was uh, 39 feet, six and three quarter inch. I converted this to American for everybody because freedom metra, free, freedom measurements are easier for us to understand. The wingspan was 59 feet, three quarter of an inch. So almost 60 feet across. The wing area covered 923.5 square feet. The empty weight, empty weight alone, just the tank, was 4,418 pounds. And the gross weight that it was with minimal armaments and personnel, 17,205 pounds. And it was intended to be towed by a Petrolovka P8 or a Tupolev TB3 bomber planes okay so all of those stats are impressive on a level that they were able to achieve them but what's more impressive is it's an effing tank with wings so when i was a kid my favorite toy was gi joe i had tons of the three and a half inch figures and a bunch of the rubber band Yes. yes yes and because they moved more I like those so much more because they they and you can they spin them and so many more wind them up and legs yeah, fly. That's out. how they broke. I didn't do that, but they had tons I, of vehicles. This I looks everything. like this looks like literally taking like one of the like tanks and just slapping an airplane on top of it. Like this is the least aerodynamic weaponry I have ever seen. Well, before this, we had a scooter with a cannon duct tape to it, and now we've got a tank with wings. Before I mean, this, we had three pigeons flying a thumb, okay? We have come a true. long way. I mean, I you know, you're bringing, you're, you're bringing it, Sarge. You're bringing the D. <laughs> Sarge so this this the program hard and strong. So this program. But he slipped it in, and we didn't even notice. Yep. This, this this program for this tank took three years to 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 conceive, and it had sometimes. conceive to conceive. Yes, I'm throwing out these words now. It only flew once, and the landing was so rough it killed the two people inside of it on the test run. We're no shit, it had a rough landing. No shit. <laughs> okay, okay. How I'm can sorry. you land like those? whatever those track wheels the, are the, like that's not good question you, not you good didn't it didn't. You didn't land you crashed i'm you about to derail this whole thing but i'm about to, to laugh i'm almost in tears i'm laughing so hard so imagine hold on okay imagine the hobbit right where they're having the big battle and there's eagles <laughs> and bears and dwarves and a tank with and wings, it just drops in. 
quite literally because we can't land it. No, no, it doesn't land. The two people inside die, taking out thousands of casualties. Just <sighs> it's orcs and Russians everywhere, just dead. <laughs> so the the main thought orcs behind right here, this Russian alarm there is it was to glide in, and they were to set the transmission and take tracks in neutral. So when it landed, it would gently roll to a stop. My I imagine what happened is there was a thunderous commotion <laughs> and pieces of tank everywhere thunderous commotion we call that a wreck okay so if i start a industrial metal band thunderous be commotion okay be that name so so you you're telling me it, though like that's you're, you're telling me that when they were playing this thing out the idea was for it to actually have a smooth landing yes so at the point at which they have the idea of putting wings on a tank and it flying they were then flying hope Purely hope, just it's a yeah. And hope is not a strategy. These nope. damn pigeons better learn how to land this tank. <laughs> All right, we're gonna move to the west. I did not sign up for a geography lesson. We're okay, moving so to the west we were... to a project okay. called Project Iceworm. Okay, so okay, see, it doesn't matter what you say following. Unless you are actually talking about earthworms with ice cubes strapped to their back, Project Iceworm is a good name for There's whatever no nonsense they're doing. Of what? Project Iceworm. You're looking at Project Ice Iceworm. Okay, so Project That's Iceworm. That's how bad it is. You didn't of, even know you're looking okay, at it. Look, look, it's not you're looking at the wrong website. I know what site you're on. Get off of there. It's, <laughs> the there's too many X's. Go to a different site. Project Iceworm was a top-secret U.S. Army program in the Cold War which aimed to build a network of mobile nuclear missile launch sites under Greenland's ice sheet. The end goal was to install a vast network of nuclear missile launch sites that could survive a first strike issue in Cold War, so we're talking Russia here. This was according to documents declassified in 1996, so we didn't know about this until 1996. And they missile... were actually found in a garage next to a Corvette with a. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> that's for a different. That, that's for a different thing. So, <laughs> to study. So this is. Uh, this is. This is an interesting. This is an interesting point here. The missiles could strike Russia from their current location, but never did we once get authorization or consent from the Danish government to build missile silos underneath their country. Okay, all. look, I'm I'm the last one that's been single here, but you should always get consent before you drill. Yes, always, always. Um, this the study what they were told the the what what they were told was if they were doing a study for the feasibility of working under the ice, a highly publicized cover project known as Camp Sentry was launched in 1960. Unable, unstable ice conditions within the ice sheet caused the project to be canceled in 1966. Okay, I have a, I have a question. Yes. Why, why Greenland? If they were looking for ice, they could have just gone north into Canada. They didn't need permission to do it there. So, I mean, why, why were they going to try to? Well, they didn't get permission anyways. Yeah, I mean, I know, they just I know that's what I'm saying. I know that's what I'm saying. Like they, they didn't get permission there, so. Just, you know, Canada's okay, too I'm, nice. All those people are too nice. I talk to them all the time. Like, super polite. So, people. would you like I'm to gonna, know? 
I'm going to say something, and if it's really stupid, you have to promise me you'll edit it out. No, I make no promises. Greenland is Greenland is closer to Russia than Canada. So a lot of people don't realize this, that Greenland is actually covered in ice and Iceland is actually green. Yeah, yeah, we know that. But geographically speaking, am I right or wrong? Okay, so I'm not going to answer your question. I'm going to give you the same answer I give my kids when my kids ask me a question like this. In your hand, you hold a device with access to the vast... Look at him. Vast amounts of information. Let me translate for you. I don't know, so you look it up. <laughs> okay, yes, so it is closer to the north. And okay, well, Russia. See, here here's my thought in it is is Greenland closer to Russia than that part of Canada that borders Alaska? Technically, technically the the strait Because there was a lady that could see Russia from her house in Alaska once. You beat me to it. <laughs> let, me, let me let me let 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 me finish this here. Okay, the official purpose Why of Camp Century. <laughs> the official purpose of Camp Century, as explained by the United States Department of Defense to Danish officials in 1960, was to test various construction techniques under Arctic conditions, exploring practical problems with semi-mobile nuclear reactors, as well as supporting scientific experiments on the ice cap. Now, there is some good and some bad that has come from this project. The good news is, is all the ice cores that we've been using to carbon date, right, has come from Camp Century. So there has been some good. Now, the bad part of it is, is when we decided to leave Camp Century in 1966, we didn't take a single thing with us. So all the used, all the used oil and fuels and nuclear waste and stuff by these portable nuclear reactors, we just left. We collapsed the tunnels and we left. Now, Liz, earlier you talked about museum there in Ohio is like cooler than the Smithsonian. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say this place is cooler than both of those because I would like to go see it. And it's cold as ice. So is. Um, yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. I was going to say other... so is Corner, um, but you know. The other the other downside of this is when we left, there was a spaceship under the ice where this thing had escaped and it was assimilating with some of the people that were on the research base. And you couldn't tell if the thing was one of the people or if they had already. What was that? Wait, okay, that was Antarctica. I apologize. That happened in Antarctica. What you're thinking about is when a man and a woman named Mulder and Scully went chasing things and yeah. Okay. X-Files references. I love it. Yeah. So now there are saying that at the rate that the uh, ice is melting up and up, up, up North and all that stuff that camp century could possibly be re-exposed to the world in the next uh, thousand years or so. So that's actually, uh, you know, spoiler alert for a, uh, a previous episode of the S4 podcast in Greta Thunberg's new version of Captain Planet that is actually one of the episodes that they are going to do where the ice caps melt and they find the in the Captain Planet keep going so if you want to know whether or not that's true you got to listen to C is for Captain <laughs> Planet 
but I'm gonna spoiler alert. It's not true. <laughs> uh, directed by Greta Thunberg, executive produced by Al Gore. It's going to be a hit. I thought you oh, said, it's going to be said, great. I thought you said Captain Planet was going to be voiced by Al Gore. Can no, I no, move no. on? Hey, look, we recorded that last night. I can't remember what I said. Yeah. So we're going to talk about two. This one is my personal favorite. And then we're going to transition in to a, uh, a head scratcher. So when I say dangerous, these but, haven't all been head scratchers so this far. One, this, the, the last one is going to be worse. You say this is your fa- personal favorite. All of these are awesome so far. It looks like it's been snowing from the dandruff because I can't stop scratching my head. Where, have you ever looked at your stove and been like, "I wonder if this could kill me"? Never. So many times. You would be <laughs> well, if you own a GE, it is possible. Do you know why that is? Because it is sentient, it will come to life, and it will swallow you whole. Because GE yes. has made one of the best, most feared weapon system in the United States military arsenal. <laughs> I'm not talking about the GE stove. The microwave. I'm talking about the GAU-8 Avenger. Made by General Electric in 1977 and still in production and still being used today. So a Captain Planet stuff. It is a or Captain it, America stuff. It is a 30 millimeter hydraulically driven seven barrel Gatlin style auto cannon, not a gun, auto cannon that is primarily mounted in the United States Air Force Fairchild Republic's A-10 Thunderbolt 2. You just said a lot of things. Yeah. That sounds terrifying. And I don't even know how to Google it. <laughs> just Google the A-10 Thunderbolt shooting tanks. That's what you need A-10. to do. A-10 <laughs> Thunderbolt shooting tanks. Shooting tanks. So while you guys do that, I'm going to break down this, this, this wonderful piece of GE engineering. It is designed to destroy, not, 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 not disable, destroy a wide variety of ground targets. The Avenger delivers very powerful rounds at a high rate, uh, at a high rate of fire with the 80% accuracy rate. That's amazing. And when you see the video, you will understand why. Now I'm going to tell you the flavors of freedom that this thing dispenses for you. The These flavors are the stra- of freedom. <laughs> yes. The flavors These are the of strangest freedom. fridges I've ever seen in my life. If, I can't if, find it. I don't, if I, don't I ever it. start a red state rock band, it is going to be called flavors of freedom. I just watched it blow up a, a car. I, I can't tell what kind of car it, I can tell you right now, this makes for an incredible auditory experience. Because nobody enjoys nobody enjoys a listening experience like listening to people watch something. When I listen to a podcast, my first thought is, I really hope they all don't say shit for about ten seconds. <laughs> Sorry, so I, I, was, can I, can, I can I I I can edit out that that ten seconds. So the flavors of freedom. I love podcasts, fire. but I wish they would shut the hell up for a minute. <laughs> so the flavors of freedom is a PGU 14 armor pierced armor piercing incendiary depleted uranium round. I like oh, armor pierced because that sounds like the, one of the triplets said it. Sarge, <laughs> if you don't stop saying twelve words in a row that mean nothing to me, like... think about a round that's about a foot, foot and a half long and thirty Ooh. dimes in diameter. So 30 dimes stacked on top of each other in diameter. Now imagine That's a this, weird way to measure something. Imagine now that this round is radioactive and 
hot. Very, very, very hot. It melts through four inches of tank armor. Did they use like GE microwave technology to warm That it? I don't know. Okay. The next flavor of freedom is a high explosive incendiary round that they use on, and I'm going to air quote this, less armored vehicles. The only place you can get these high explosive incendiary depleted uranium rounds is, of course, the United States military. The last time we used them was in Saddam's tanks when we were in Iraq, and us dumb soldiers had to go police up the sprawled ammo, the, the rounds that didn't explode. And just sitting in there and a bunch of us got to plead uranium exposure. It was great. So I like I'm looking for a new washing machine and these don't look like they're going to clean my clothes at all. No, the, look, that, that will clean your clothes. There'll be nothing left. I was right. going to say that T-shirt will be stainless and there will be a hole the size of a bowling ball in your laundry room wall. <laughs> but it's worth it. You know what? This house has any problems anyway. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give you its specifications real quick. It's about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Yes, actually, there's a picture of one right here next to a Beetle. <laughs> it so. is 619 pounds, okay. 19 feet, 10 and a half inches long. Its rate of fire is uh, 3,900 rounds per minute or dispenses freedom at 65 rounds a second. The muzzle velocity, 1,010 meters or... I'll, I'll give it to you in, in, in terms you can understand. Three give it to us in America. Three and a half football fields a second is what it travels. God bless America. That's the right answer. The effective firing range is 1,220 meters or three quarters of a mile. So these these A-10s come in, and as long as they're three, three quarters of a mile away from its target, it has an 80% accuracy rate, shooting 65 rounds a second. You mean it's got a freedom rate? Yeah. That is the deadliest washing machine I have ever heard of, and I need six of them. <laughs> well, at the price tag of roughly $4.6 million. Okay, I can afford two of them. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm just going to go for the Vespa cannon. That's a lot cheaper. More, I Jerry down the plans. street needs a little bit of freedom, and I'm going to give it to him. <laughs> He's going to get some flavors. Nope. I'm going to wash his overalls and blow up his house. May as well start calling you Baskin Robin because you got 31 flavors of freedom. <laughs> now, the last thing I'm we're going to talk about, we're going to stay right here in the good old United States. And we're going to go back. Oh, my gosh. During the Cold War again with Russia. No, not with the penguins, danger. Not with the penguins. We're going to yeah, talk longer. about. Jesus. We're going to talk okay, about. We talked about penguins. Pigeons and dolphins. How much more wildlife do we need to bring into this? Well, now we're going to talk about something that kills wildlife. That's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about the M29 Davy Crockett weapon system. That was its name. I'm not <laughs> making Crockett. it up. I'm I not can't, I can't it deal up. with this. I, I am becoming yeah. sweaty. This is ridiculous. <laughs> so if, if they made axes, would they be called Paul Bunyans? I, I mean... I but this weapon system was a tactical nuclear recoilless smoothbore gun for firing the M388 nuclear projectiles from a shoulder-mounted launcher. Okay, so for anyone that hasn't can't see what's happening here, I, I hope you can visualize the fact that Sarge is like perspirating 
and drooling has like a hard on. and is slightly sexually aroused he by talking the about D. these weapons. Yeah, he brought He's his wife on, on. The couch. No, no, he brought you on for a specific reason because he knew he would be aroused during this. I, I honestly, I have to tell you, I don't know why this is the one that he picked. He's like, let's talk about shit that you have no idea what it means. I'm going to talk about measurements. Do you think think any of these two yahoos here know, have any idea what this means? You are so excited. Like you are just like, we are getting through the toys. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't understand half of what you're saying but i am also sweaty and am about to take my shirt off because this is i'm totally in like i'm ready to delve out some freedom and i don't even know what we're talking about so i am you guys google davy crockett did you guys google what it looked like yeah no no all right so i have googled davy crockett (laughs) several times but not this specific example this is the m29 davy crockett M29. It is specifically designed to be fired from either the back of a vehicle, from a standard launch platform such as a tripod, or shoulder mounted, which means some poor soul had to carry a nuclear (laughs) warhead with him. Okay, okay. Yes, that looks like something that could blow a lot of shit up but why is all of this so phallic why is everything just a giant dick i will i will i will give you one story on closing that will make you laugh oh sure it's coming off <laughs> I, I can't take it anymore it's too much I, so like i said yeah. this thing you gotta was- come out of that closet and your wife is gonna be like i don't know what y'all talked about she knows she knows what's happening here. It's fine. Oh, you can buy it in Lego. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. So this, little... so the oh. M29 warhead has a travel distance of 2.5 miles. And its blast yield is 20 tons equivalent of t- TNT. What that means is it's a nuclear warhead and everything within <laughs> 600 meters. What just tickled you? <laughs> okay. Sorry. I'm. All right. Sorry, I'm looking at I clicked on the Lego thing and it's very clearly not an actual Lego set. It's just a little like frontier man put with like navy rifles and with nuclear like radioactive symbols just painted on them. Um and it's ridiculous and I want it. Like, Go on, like, Sarge. Okay, look. Like this is all like serious killing machine stuff, right? There's something very cute about the Davy Crockett nuclear weapon. (laughs) Everything within a five kilometer radius, all life within a five kilometer radius of one of these warheads going off is utterly obliterated. Everything within 600 meters of the impact site, which 600 meters is roughly four football fields in, in radius. Right, in American terms, is turned into dust. Thank you for giving me that in freedom measurements. Freedom measurements, anything for you guys. So to round out this episode, the last thing I want to talk about is the B one bomber. This is a story of the B one bomber. You're on my microphone. The B one bomber was specifically designed for a, uh, well, you know, to bomb things, but later turned into a uh, surveillance aircraft. And when it became to be outdated, and this is this is to tie everything with the phallic thing that that monster was talking about, they decided somebody decided 
within the United States military to let the most immature person come up with the new name for the next level edition of the B-1. And instead of calling it the B-1-2 or the B-1-A, they went straight to the letter R. And on paper, when you wrote this out, it was the B-1-R <laughs> with nothing else in it. I can, I can see it. I can visualize it. So that ladies and gentlemen, is some of the dumb... Oh, boner. There it is! She got there! (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, let's give a round of applause to our guest host, Liz. (laughs) She got the boner. She found it. She owned it. It's all hers. So I have failed to let Liz know that we we end our shows with terrible jokes. So I'm going to give her a chance to pop on her phone and Google some terrible jokes to tell us. I will allow Monster the courtesy of going first. No? I don't I don't want it. All right. Oh, Danger's gonna go first. I uh I prepared some, so let me pull my notes. Give me a second here. <clears throat> all right. And these are all military themed dad jokes. Why does the military have a strict dress code for ceremonies and events? I don't know why. Because civilian casualties are not permitted. All right, monster, you're up. Casualties. What do hungry Marines eat? Crayons. Sub sandwiches. <laughs> Liz, you're up. What you got? Um, pass. Come back. All right. Well, let's go back to her. Not military themed, but still some goodies that my kids have told me over the time. I got fired from my job at the bank today. An old lady came in and asked me to check her balance, so I pushed her over. Mm. Yeah, that was the thing you said. Oh, what did the the fish say when he swam into the wall? Damn. (laughs) Damn. That was good. What's a soldier's least favorite month? What? March. True story. <laughs> You're a troop who survived pepper spray and mustard gas? Well, I too am a seasoned veteran. <laughs> Since we've been talking about nuclear stuff, here you go. What's the most terrifying word in nuclear physics? Whoops. Exactly. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> What does a storm cloud wear under his raincoat? Thunderwear. Mm, I was terrible. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's it's it's good for this section. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, I Sarge, I think you'll appreciate this one. What grades do you need to join the Navy? C's and B's. At least seven C's. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that has been the letter D. And I thank you for tuning in. And I want to give a special thanks to our... Oh, she has another joke. Hold on one second. <laughs> I want to give a special thanks to our first-time host. We're going to try to get her a tumbler or a T-shirt, or maybe a goodie bag with some liquor shots in it. I, I know a person that can make you a tumbler. I was going to um, say, I make my own. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Um, I thought you meant an account on Tumblr. No, no. <laughs> We're going to get you an obligation that you have to keep up. <laughs> yeah, no, and I'm out. So I want to thank I want to thank Liz for being on the show. She's brought a lot of life to the show. I do appreciate it. I want to thank Monster. I want to thank Danger. 
as always, You're for welcome. being the outstanding gentlemen that they are. So we're going to let Liz give us one more joke, and then we're all going to say goodbye. Oh, I closed it, but let me find it. <laughs> well, you, this is you part of the course for this show. What? Oh. What kind of tea is hard to swallow? Reality. Reality. <laughs> All right. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Say good night. Bye. Bye. Later. It's over. Done. Done.